Welcome to the Woman Who Rubs the Mountain podcast, a gathering place for conversations and stories of ecological embodiment. I'm Kendra Ward, your host and guide. Our explorations begin with this single question. What happens when we rub on the body of the earth? How does the earth brush back against us? Here, we seek an intimacy, a love affair with the land and beings where we live. Let us come together in creative, strange, disruptive ways of relating beyond the human-centric limitations of our current dreaming. It's my hope that by sharing experiences of embodied ecology, our reality shifts, our core truths sharpen, and space is made for a new, old, earth-honoring culture to re-emerge. This is the little prayer that I make as an offering at the altar of Mother Gaia. So let us just take a moment to feel into and connect with the land wherever we are, feeling into the soil and its many kin networks of beings, giving thanks for the way this place silently or not so silently buoys you in your life. And today I am honored to be in conversation with Sarah Artemisia. Sarah is a plant spirit wisdom teacher, an Akashic flower essence practitioner, herbalist, and host of the Plant Spirit Podcast. She helps wellness professionals and empaths learn the energetic language of plants and how to work in collaboration with the conscious wisdom of nature. She's been coaching people to move through obstacles and connect more deeply with the earth and their inner guidance for over 15 years. And she deeply loves the land and place where she lives, which is the traditional ancestral homelands of the Takelma and Shasta people in Southern Oregon. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Kendra. I'm excited for our conversation today. Well, I'd love to just ground us in hearing more about the land where you live and how you find intimacy with this place and how this place finds intimacy with you or even imagines you into being. Mm, Such a beautiful question. Thank you. Yeah, just tuning into that for a moment. And it does feel important to begin by honoring the people who have walked this land in conscious open relationship for thousands and thousands of years. The Tacoma and Shasta peoples, this was a meeting place, a sacred place. We have some very sacred springs that are here that uh, many indigenous people would come to, to give birth and to heal. And so I feel incredibly blessed and grateful to live in a place of sacred waters. It's just incredible. So grateful. So, so grateful. And I was mentioning before we started how when I first moved here to this very land and went out to to introduce myself to the land, went out to stand barefoot and just say hello to the land. You know, I'm Sarah. Who are you? You know, let's get to know each other kind of a thing that I had this experience of Uh, feeling a bit of surprise from the land and delight that there was a human consciousness that was again interested in being in 
in open reciprocal relationship, you know, through the feet in that energetic kind of open way. And um, I have had an experience, you know, you're asking that question, how does the land imagine me into, into being? And I feel very seen by this land. There is uh, one place in particular that I go to that um, just right outside the back door where I stand and, and offer thanks and gratitude and connect with the plants and all the unseen realms of, you know, benevolent unseen realms that I work with. And there is a sense that I got at one point that that place that the land here really sees me as a tree. And so I felt incredibly seen in that moment because I feel very connected with trees and oftentimes will actually feel more tree than human in many ways. And so I feel really, really seen by the land here. I feel that the land knows me intimately. And that is such a gift before coming. I've never experienced that kind of connection with a place. And as we shared earlier, I've lived mm -hmm. in a lot of different places and traveled a lot. And I've never been to a place where I feel this deep reciprocal experience with, I mean, kind of like you know that movie avatar that just came out how they have the hair and the you know how it'll like hook right in with the tree with the sacred tree it's like i feel like that with the land here how there's this experience of this deep connection this deep unknowing this deep seeing each other that i feel really grateful for wow well I, that just so many questions immediately come up i'm do you mind talking more about that experience of the land perceiving you as a tree i'm just really curious uh, you know, your sense about that. Yeah. Let's see. Sometimes it's, it's hard to put these things into words a little mm -hmm. bit. Um, I think yeah. because there is, as, as I'm sure that you also experience as many people who I'm sure listening to this podcast experience in the way of, um, you know, when we communicate with nature, that nature communicates in a very, um, what I perceive is like a very spherical way. It's not so linear. It's not so much with words, but there was this, um, there are other trees on the land here. And there was this sense as I was, it's the first time it started. There's this one tree in particular, if you're very, very connected to, and there was this one time where I was walking by the tree and I just had this, um, this sense or this experience of, of a mirror of the tree being like, I see you, you're one of us, this kind of a feeling. It was like, I was, I was, it was like, I was seeing myself through the perspective of the tree. And it was like, as if I was a tree walk moving through space. Mm. And so that was the first time. And then um, and then I started recognizing because there's this one particular place that I'll do go to do grounding in that it's like, okay, over the past seven years, I've been going to this same exact little circle, the same exact little patch for seven years that this, I'm where I'm rooting so deeply energetically mm -hmm. that there was this sense of, right, just like the trees, here I am, you know, the sense of the land being like, right, yes, you know, Sarah tree, here you are. But yet, you know, again, we meet again in this way, kind of a thing. So there's just this sense of a, a familiarity of my roots, this kind of a feeling. Just really just, yeah, so special to feel that. Well, and I'm also just that the 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 ease of kinship um, with this particular land where you are. I'm curious um, if you feel comfortable talking more about what is it about the land that's mirrored in you and vice versa that you 
you know, perceive allows for that level of ease in kinship? I think my sense of it, because I've thought about this a lot, actually, because I've lived in a lot of, feel very blessed, blessed to have lived in a lot of really, really beautiful Colorado, like gorgeous mountains, you know, beautiful East Coast, like beautiful hills and valleys, the fall colors, you know, all these areas on the planet that are so, so beautiful. And I think um, for those of us who, where it's available to have this mobility to really tune into different landscapes, that there are these different energetic resonances or Um, I feel it is like the spirit of the land. And when I moved here, when I came to this area, I immediately felt, even before I came to this little patch of land where I live right now, there was this immediate sense that I felt that there is um, a really big, that the spirit of this land feels very connected to or is an embodiment of the divine mother Mm. in earth form. And there are certainly different places that I've been on this planet that have a much more um, strong, powerful, um, like desert landscapes where they're so beautiful and so expansive, but there's kind of like this stark, Mm -hmm. this stark vastness. And here there's just this incredibly nourishing being held kind of an experience. And it's interesting because the climate here is is more arid than the super Northwest. It's a little bit more of a California ecosystem here in Southern Oregon. And so it's a climactically, it's a little bit more arid, but energetically there is such a moistening experience. (laughs) It just, it feels so nourishing on the energetic level. It's like very connected. I'm sure it's connected to the, the energy of the sacred springs here. Absolutely. But that feeling of that sacred water feeling it's like that sacred water feeling I feel it in the atmosphere here and I feel very very nourished by that and so I'm sure there's that aspect of myself that's in resonance with that and you know I've known many people who come here and it's this place is not for them it's like it doesn't constitutionally fit with them and I think there is something so incredibly magical that occurs when for those of us who are connected with with the elements, with the earth, when we find our place, when we find our place on the planet, and I'm sure there could be multiple, but at least when we find a place that is in such deep resonance on that elemental level with our own elemental balance, with our own constitutional elemental balance, it's like there is such a an experience of seamlessness and an experience of being held that, I, I mean, to me, that's unparalleled. I have never experienced that kind of thing in any other sort of a way, and I'm so grateful for it. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, um, just, I'm imagining that, that ease and how so many people maybe never get that kind of experience in their lives. I'm living in a place where I feel like, uh, it's more about a maturing than about an ease. So it's interesting how, uh, you know, the land spirits where we are, you know, there can be just so many different experiences depending upon where we are in our lives and and what we kind of need at that time. So yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Well, I'm wondering, you know, in these initiatory times that we're living in, if you could tell us a little bit more about what you're returning to, like what is booing you up in the world and how you're integrating this vision into the work that you're bringing into the world. Yeah, it's interesting you use the word buoying because I had this um, meditative experience at the beginning of the pandemic where I was seeing, I was being shown, I was seeing how the, how there are a lot of waves happening 
collectively around the planet, uh, socially, emotionally, energetically. I mean, we don't have to go very, just turn on any media source to see any kind of, you know, craziness, disruptive craziness happening, um, or just stand outside on a windy day. <laughs> you can feel that. Um, but there is this sense of an invitation to be like a buoy. And I was being shown how in my own being, if I am like a buoy where I have a very deep anchor into the earth, while yes, I will still feel the waves happening, I will not get swayed out to sea. I will still be able to be uh, connected in a vertical kind of a way with, with the place where I am. And that is something that I have returned to again and again and again over the past few years this aspect of anchoring, which certainly in my experience, feeling very connected to trees, the trees really help help me with that for sure. I live about a two hour drive from the redwoods. I go there as often as I can and I feel very, very connected with the redwoods. And so I think, you know, for anyone who is connected with nature, trees in particular, you know, if there's just one special tree that you feel so very aligned with to just go be with that tree as much as possible because they are in my experience, giant meditators. And when we're hanging out in a field of giant meditators, kind of like the way that um, a room full of clocks with pendulums will entrain to the largest pendulum and they'll all wind up moving in the same way, we can entrain our nervous systems to the peace, the depth of calm of the trees. And certainly we can also entrain our nervous systems to you know, the insanity of the media or any kind of disasters natural or otherwise that are occurring on the planet at any given moment. And it's also this um, question of, you know, what channel are you dialing your consciousness to? And so for me, again and again, I come back to the, if you're thinking about it as like an FM radio dial, I come back again and again to the nature consciousness channel <laughs> for my anchor at, at, for my, to be a buoy in that way, that that is, the most anchoring thing. I honestly don't know how people who don't have that kind of anchoring experience have could have possibly made it through the past few years with everything going on. And I just know for me that that is, it's the most real thing. Like when I feel like things are so crazy, spinning out of control, it's like, what can I come back to? Nature, it's been here forever. What billions of years longer than we have, you know? And so nature, these trees, these ancient trees that have witnessed all kinds of changes, all kinds of crises and climactic experiences. It's like they have witnessed these changes of the eras. And right now we're going through one of those. We're going through, like you said, one of these initiatory times. And in my experience, the plants can really be that steady anchor for us as we move, as we move through these times, because there are elders, they've been through it before. For sure. Yeah. I'm definitely, um, been using a lot of willow flower essence. Um, speaking of sort of, you know, the, the roots and the buoying, the flexibility, the movement, um, there's a lot of really elder willows in the place where I live and, um, yeah, just, just tuning into that energy, being able to, to move, with the with the windstorms, with the initiatory times, with whatever is coming our way. So yeah, trees like a 
like a field of meditators. I love that. Sometimes I think of them as as sort of wizards. They're, you know, the the their fluid intelligence is moving like way beyond what we could possibly comprehend. Um, so yeah, that's beautiful. I'm gonna that sticks with me. <laughs> well, I'm I'm also um always so amazed when I reread my favorite plant medicine books and um, you know, just floored to re-remember how plants not only seek out, but sort of have this ability to thrive in the cracks and the ditches and the disturbed places between like the road and fields. And I thought we might tune into the wisdom of this edge walking a little bit further. Um, you know, what does it mean to thrive in the fissures and what do plants have to teach us about adaptability in these very strange times? I mean, immediately as you ask that, dandelion comes to mind for sure. The super deep taproot, you can find dandelion growing, I think, on every continent, certainly most continents around the planet. And it's so, it's so adaptable. It's so adaptable. So certainly the medicine that dandelion has shown me directly it is, I mean, literally coming into my meditation and just saying, this is how you embody a dandelion is to this invitation to really imagine if we can't actually feel it just just imagine what would it feel like to have a really deep tap root what mm -hmm. would it feel like to have a really flexible stem what would it feel like to have our crown really open up to the sun and receiving that beautiful golden light no matter what circumstances we're growing in that this is such such a, a beautiful teaching from dandelion that i'm so grateful for having received and i mean i just think about so many of my just favorite plants I love so much, you know, sunflower, it's like grows in the ditches, the most disturbed soil, mullein, right? It's like, mm -hmm. there's so many plants, so many medicinal plants and just beautiful plants that bring joy or sunflower. You can, you know, eat the seeds as well, make oil out of them that there's so many plants that grow in these disturbed soils that have such powerful, potent medicine. And I think that that can be something to remember and come back to as well. I mean, certainly, the past few years have had a lot of challenges and in that in those times to really come back to you know what is what is the medicine of this moment that there's that there can be medicine found in those challenging uh, those edge times like you said yeah there are there are the, i think the list just goes on and on you know reading the plant descriptions and you're like oh another one that thrives in you know the most unusual or seemingly difficult places or I let uh, a very large burdock just, I mean, yeah, I couldn't even move it if I tried, um, but, you know, just letting burdock entirely do its thing and the way that it just stretches <clears throat> out and takes up space and the leaves just get like, like an elephant. I mean, it just is, it's unreal, you know, it's just amazing how it, it, it seeks out those, those places and, and manages to entirely, you know, shine on us this way. So yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Well, I'm, I'm curious about this sense of us as humans being able to explore our plant bodies. Um, you know, I feel like I have spent some time tuning into the sense of having an animal body, this sort of wakefulness based on, and instinct or deeper knowing, or just these bright senses, open pores, trusting myself in this relational web entirely with this sense of a, 
of unfractured mind. And so in the same vein, I'm curious about what does it mean to explore our plant bodies? What does it mean to uh, cultivate and expand out our sensorium um, and just how we might use our senses differently? Yeah, such a great question. It really, to me, comes back to what we were talking about earlier with that that spherical communication or the way that plants perceive is and communicate is different from the way that humans perceive and communicate. And one of the things that I love so much about connecting with nature is this aspect of the mirroring that nature really offers. And so one of the ways that I like to really um, connect in with that aspect of myself that is that is like a plant is to really sit with a plant, tune in, just tune in, meditate, and then ask the plant, you know, what is it like to be you? And imagine, go into this more imaginal daydreaming kind of space to to just imagine what would it be like if I was this plant and just notice, okay, the wind coming through the space, or you know, is, is there some sort of mycelial connection through the roots? That the imagination, I think, can really be so supportive in this process because for a lot of folks that that jump from human to other animal feels for myself it's actually a shorter jump for me to go from myself to plant but i think for a lot of people maybe for most people that it's a bit of a, a larger gap from self to plant identification rather than from self to animal so i think the imagination can really be super supportive in that of just yeah sitting next to your favorite plant and just saying, imagining, you know, what, what would it be like to be this plant? And what, what would I be experiencing if I was this plant right now? And just notice what shifts. Like, do you notice, do you notice the way that the wind is moving around your body? Does it feel differently than it felt, you know, 30 seconds ago, kind of a thing that this can be really supportive because our senses are gateways. Our senses are gateways of perception. And if we really tune in with what I call a defocalized gaze, or you could think of it as like, um, like your peripheral eyesight, having peripheral eyesight across your eyes, across all of the senses when we don't have so often, you know, we're on these devices, right? It's like we have these, this really focalized, uh, narrow view. And I think culturally that that has enabled a lot of tuning out of the peripheral awareness. And so when we come into nature, in my experience, there's a huge invitation to open up the peripheral awareness in all of the senses and really just listen through all of the senses to the soft information, the quiet, usually it's quiet whispers, the quiet whispers of information that's coming in through this way of just, I mean, it's essentially, yeah, it is. It's like listening through the eyeballs, listening through the skin, listening through the ears. What does that feel like? What do you notice? And how is that different from what you were noticing five minutes ago? Yeah. I've been really uh, just have delight in thinking about what it might be like in terms of timeframes for flowers, like telling time through the body of a flower um, and how, you know, different flowers, they'll some bloom at night or, um, you know, just the, just the, the varied experience and this idea of telling, telling time through flowers, um, you know, how do flowers wake up in the morning? When do they go to sleep? How might we also, um, you know, maybe not immediately turn on every single bright light. I've just sort of been really this winter in particular, really, um, 
spending more time in the dark and waiting for the sun to, you know, waiting for any light to arise on its own. But, you know, just these little ways of, like you said, sort of expanding out the senses or listening differently. I've just been exploring that a little bit through, through the light and dark piece of things and just, um, you know, not immediately needing to, um, illuminate, you know, or, uh, you know, overly rely, but just trying to, to flow and follow, uh, the, the light cycles themselves, um, just as they are. So, yeah, well, one of my favorite, um, kind of practices or kind of pause in the day is when I'm able to have dinner with my children and my partner. Um, and we, we have this, this practice of a sacred pause and, you know, it's this opportunity to just contemplate the lives of the plant beings that are on our plates, especially the ancestral memory that they carry. And more and more, I feel like there's this movement to tune into and repair our human ancestral lines, but I'd love to explore the sense of just all the ancestral lines of plants and that the land underneath us is built up on the many decomposed bodies of billions and billions of plant beings <laughs> and all their family lines and memories. Um, and even just the thought of that does something to me. I feel like even just this thought of, of all those, um, the many, many lines and memories of plant beings. So yeah, I'm wondering about your feelings on, on that. Yeah. It's so great. Such a great question and, and beautiful reflection on the, the ancestors that lie beneath us of many, many lineages. That's certainly something that I resonate with very deeply, how we have these different lineages. We have our human, we have our human DNA lineage, we have our spiritual lineage, we have our socio-political lineage. And for some of us, myself included, we have the plant sister lineage. Honestly, I think for all of us, we have the plant sister lineage. They are our elders, they were here before us, but there's some of us who really resonate with that, who feel that deep connection. And I am, of course, one of those people where the, <laughs> the plant sisters, to me, that is one of the main lineages that I feel the most connected to. At times, to be honest, maybe even more than my human DNA lineage, <laughs> yeah. because I just love the plants so much. I, I I love them. I resonate with them. They are family. Plants are my spirit family, period. They are. And I am so grateful to them for that. And, you know, there's something about the fact that their genetic lineage is so much older than ours, that on some level, their DNA goes back millions billions of years longer than our human one does and that to me is i think that we are just barely beginning to scrape the surface on what that might entail you know there are different things i was learning about this past year about um you know like the genome of the redwoods and how com complex it is and how it's so much more complex than the human genome and there's just so many interesting things about the the plant lineage that i think we have just barely begun to connect with and you know i clearly like to connect with them in, in a very intuitive dreaming kind of a way and i think 
one way that could be a really practical way to connect in with that aspect of of connection with our plant ancestors is through that very simple act of breathing, of recognizing that we are in continuous reciprocal relationship with the plants all the time because we breathe together, that we breathe out carbon dioxide, they breathe it in, they breathe out oxygen, we breathe that in, that we're in this continuous reciprocal relationship and that we have been from the very moment that the very first human appeared on this planet. And so, to me, that is, it, it's like we carry this connection with our plant sisters back from the very beginning. And, and that that extended, you know, way beyond, way beyond humans were on the scene. And so to just recognize and honor that, and it doesn't need to be anything complicated, but just saying a thank you as we're breathing, you know, that, that could be the most simple and profound thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the reasons I realize why I take that moment with my children in particular is because I feel like it's a disruptive act. I think that just even acknowledging plants having ancestors and that they have memories and that they lived a life that was full of sunshine and rain and that they they had these experiences and it just is that little like something mentally, um, you, you know, where we, we tune into plant ancestors and we tune into, um, plants as kin and dear ones, um, you know, and they're very used to me, you know, singing and talking to the plants and all the things they've grown up and, you know, in, in with that kind of viewpoint. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, within the collective, we've sort of lost that view. Um, so yeah, just to be able to that, that little disruption, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I grew up Quaker. Um, I can't remember if we had talked about that at some point, but mm -hmm. I really appreciate you talking about the sacred pause piece because that aspect of just taking just a moment to tune into the still small voice within, or just a moment to just listen to what is happening beneath the surface of this moment right now can be so valuable. And it, the fact that it doesn't need to take a lot of time, like you said, it's just a sacred pause. It's just one moment mm -hmm. that that can really provide an opening and a spaciousness that all kinds of really amazing information can come through. If we just take that moment to just tune in. Yeah. To just be present with, with all that, all that we have, all that's right there with us. Um, yeah, it is. It's such a simple thing, but it completely shifts the energy entirely. Mm. Well, I I feel like another one of the big teachings from plants is about beauty. I mean, it just is, it's just astounding. Um, you know, it feels like beauty reminds us of our higher selves and the sacred within and that all creatures are divine and unconditionally worthy, that we're all part of this beauty and that we all can be sort of elevated in our consciousness can be raised when we tune into this beauty that's available everywhere. And I feel like on some level, oftentimes that's what flower essences are doing themselves. So I thought that we might just tune into this sense of, of beauty um, but also beauty as the, in the eye of the beholder, um, beauty oftentimes in things we can't even see, thinking about the um, 
ultraviolet, you know, the, the things that we can't even see in certain plants that only bees can see. I mean, it, it is, it's, uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. But I also feel like there's, for so many plants, this expression of beauty is part of the joy of sharing a life on this planet with, so. Absolutely. Yes. I love that about, you know, it reminds me how there are some, there are some languages that are, that that exist currently still on the planet where like sans well i guess sanskrit doesn't really still be in practice but um like i feel this with hawaiian for example where it's like what the word is is what it says is what it looks like is what it does kind of a thing where there's this sense of it being like a spherical language and so to me that is how the plants communicate with their beauty as well we could look at like the doctrine of signatures even to how the plants will show us what they support with how they look but that the plants have a very um, expressive from the inside out kind of a way of expressing their inner nature, their inner being of who they are. And to me, again, that mirroring aspect that they are, when we admire a beautiful flower, that in that moment, simultaneously, it is inviting us to be expressive of ourselves from the inside out as well. What is our radiant nature, Mm. you know, what what would it look like if the doing was the spilling of our being where our being was just radiating out in every action that we that we do because that is the way of the plants that is what the plants are doing all the time and so to me this is one of the biggest teachings that i feel from the plants is to just allow the essence of our being to come through in everything that we are doing and recognizing that the human world can make that seem very complicated and hard to do at times and to come back to this question of, well, how do we do that? All we have to do is just look to the plants and just ask this question, okay, well, how are they doing that? And then we could say, okay, well, how could I do it like that in my own life? Could be something just really simple and small, but just recognizing that when we're living from this way of from the inside out, that is going to be beautiful no matter what. I mean, we could be, you know, that whole thing, like chop wood, carry water, you know, we could be doing the most mundane thing, but to be present and connected with the presence and allowing the presence to radiate out. That is one of the greatest teachings of nature that I have found. Oh, well, I see that in you, Sarah. I see that, that radiating outwards, uh, clearly from so much time, you know, feeling into, into your, uh, plant beingness and, you know, being with all, all the plants. So yeah, it's, it's, it's true. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Well, on the, you know, but it's, it's back to this sense of beauty being in the, in the eye of the beholder, you know, I'm also really curious to, to sort of turn that on its head. Um, you know, all the things that we, um, might have a gut reaction to, uh, want to like push away, um, things that we might traditionally think of as, um, I don't know, just sort of ugly, um, you know, the, the misunderstood, the dark dwellers at, at one point I sort of did a, a deep apprenticeship with banana slugs. Um, I think that this, uh, gets particularly, um, useful when we think about sort of the unconventional or what's considered invasive plants. Um, so I'm curious if you have any ongoing apprenticeships, uh, or relationships with any of these types of, you know, beings that, we might uh, on the surface maybe misunderstand or, um, you know, kind of are misrepresented from our human lens. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, immediately what comes to mind is, again, dandelion, plantain. There are so many plants like this that are thought of as weeds that mm-hmm. the people from the, the you know, mainstream human lens, it's like people are eradicating that right out of their yards. And yet this is some really incredible powerful medicines. And then, you know, when we go into kind of like the the darker or maybe the more underworld plants, to me, those plants, like maybe, you know, the hellebores, the belladamas, things like this, it's like those plants need to be approached with an incredible amount of respect. Mm. And I know at times, it, it, particularly right now, it sounds at times like it's a little bit trendy to just say like, oh, I'm doing shadow work or I'm going to dive right in there kind of a thing. But that mm-hmm. it's really, really, really important to recognize that these, these are really powerful beings. They are really powerful beings. And if you, to, to, to respect that, to, to really honor and respect that they are very powerful beings and that uh, to not take that lightly, to just, just in the same way that you would approach a very powerful person hmm. with respect, introducing yourself, maybe giving an offering if you're coming over with a hostess gift or something for dinner and then saying, you know, can we get to know each other a little bit going in with a kind of more of like, a, or maybe a courtship kind of a thing where it's like, you're going to go out on the first date, second date, third date, then you're going to ask the deeper questions kind of a thing to not just assume it. Because I think that that's a bit of um, a bit of the challenge of, you know, we live in a culture, there's a lot of books we can amass a lot of intellectual knowledge about plants that we can assume this uh, kind of hierarchy or this sort of, um, you know, feeling like, oh, well, I already know all about you. Kind of thing. I, I read about you in some textbooks. So I already know about you. Would we approach a person like that? Probably not. I would hope not. <laughs> so so when we approach the plant, the plant beings, and particularly the ones like you were saying, the invasive species or the plants where it's, you know, that there's been, say, maybe some negative press about them, like, um, I think about Japanese knotweed was growing in my backyard where I grew up in Pennsylvania all over, right? Considered a very invasive species, also incredibly powerful medicine. Mm -hmm. And so there's that aspect of really, again, coming back to what we were talking about earlier, of really asking this question of like, what's the gift here as well? And recognizing that these are beings. And so just like in the same way that we don't approach a person from a very flat two-dimensional space, we would want to get to know them in their multifaceted, you know, their many multidimensional aspects of really who they are, that the, the plants, this is certainly available with the plants as well, and that they really welcome that, that they really want to have that kind of relationship with us. So... Yeah, I I oftentimes look to the bees as a good reminder of that. Like if anyone's ever hung out with a huge patch of Japanese knotweed in the summer and the bees are just fanatical, like they just, they don't care that we call it invasive. <laughs> you know, it's just, um, it's just that reminder to like leave that the loop of that sort of thinking entirely. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Well, I I feel like these days, uh, you know, a, a really big um, kind of lurking under the surface, uh, this sense for many folks that there's this shame or disappointment at being part of the systems that are causing so much harm and, and suffering <clears throat> to this planet. And, um, you know, the difficulty of feeling like we're, we're compliant, complicit, you know, part of these systems. Um, but also, you know, beginning to more and more begin to see how these, you know, some of our past attempts to reverse this harm through like environmentally protective measures, um, sort of still remain 
like a patchwork that's superficial, um, when we're not addressing our deeper neuroses or attachments to hierarchies of separation and superiority. So it feels like it's in, entirely necessary to, or um, requires this sort of existential experience of cosmic mattering for all beings. And I thought that we would just sort of gather the threads of our conversation with this, um, I don't know, contemplation of cosmic mattering, cosmic mattering beyond some of even our just extractive tendencies of like the cosmic mattering of plants for food and shelter and wood, but, you know, co uh, cosmic mattering that goes, that's vastly um, more beautiful and powerful than, than just sort of these, these uh, small ways we tend to think of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, that just comes right back to that aspect of, you know, are you looking at a plant as a resource that you can use? Or are you looking at a plant as a being that you're in a relationship with that really it is that, that framework shift and what the plants themselves have shown this to me, the way that they've shown this to me is as if there is a fake door frame sitting in space and all of Western civilization, the patriarchy, that we have been conditioned to view nature as if we are on one side of that door frame and all of nature is on the other. But what indigenous people have always known and what the plants are you know, reminding us is that that doorframe actually is a mentally, it's a mentally constructed doorframe, that it actually doesn't exist. That if we acknowledge like, hey, actually that doorframe is just mentally constructed. And what is actually happening in reality is that we actually are inherently in relationship, even like we were talking about earlier through our very breath, <laughs> that we are in relationship with these incredible beings and with all life. I mean, with the rocks, you know, with the water, how different would our experience with fresh water be on this planet if we all viewed water as a relative, as a being that we were in relationship with rather than a resource? You know, it's like mm -hmm. a completely different, it's a completely different framework. And to me, that is the shift that needs to occur. Like you were talking about this different patchwork or kind of these band-aids that we put mm -hmm. on through, you know, say maybe for example, land conservation. Amazing that land conservation is happening. And yet in my view, that, that is not going to actually solve the root of the problem because it's still, um, it's still, it, it, what it's not doing is it's not saying, you know, nature is our relative. It's just saying, here's a piece of land that we're going to block off that no one can walk on kind of a thing. It's not inviting people into that relational experience with nature. And so that is why, that is why I, that is why all of my work <laughs> centered on that is centered on being in relationship like you were talking about taking it out of the human centric experience absolutely we're not the center we're we're a part of it like we're we're a part of the whole interconnected web of life and how amazing that experience is when we can actually relax into that the way less pressure you know mm. it's like to, to just to be in relationship with all of life rather than you know, the center of it all. Like that's exhausting. It's exhausting to be at the center of it all. It's so much more relaxing and joyful and blissful and easeful and sure, of course, challenging, but it's going to be challenging on, on, no matter what. But to recognize that as we go through these challenges planetarily, that we have our kin all with us, like we're all together in this, all of our natural kin. And that when we, when we open up the senses in that spherical way or in that way of the you know, the soft listening, listening through the eyes, through the ears, through the touch, through all the senses, we can then 
get information. Like nature will share information with us because nature is very excited to be in relationship with us. And so that is, I think, one of the greatest invitations of this time is to really remember, like remember that we are in deep connection with with nature and that that when we open up to this, in my experience, life is so much more multidimensional, which makes it a lot more fun <laughs> and exciting. So, and, and simultaneously a lot more grounded that it's like when I am in relationship with the earth through my feet, I am much more present in my body, much more present. And it's like, well, that's what we're doing here. We're embodied beings. We're in these bodies. It's like, let's be in them. Let's be in them. And let's be in connection with the earth in and around us. Hmm. I feel like for every one of these episodes, all the land spirits and the land council here and everyone just rises up to be part of these conversations. And I'm just feeling, you know, everything that you just said sort of ripple, you know, just sort of ripple outwards. Beautiful. Thank you. Well, I'm curious if there are any offerings or anything else in particular that you wanted to tell us about, about the work that you're doing in the world right now? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, for folks, if you're interested in, in checking out more about my work, I definitely invite you to check out. I have a free workshop on how to communicate directly with, with plants. And that is at the website, www.learnplantlanguage.com. So I'd say you can check that out or... You can find me on Instagram at multidimensional.nature, on TikTok as well, and on Facebook. And then my website is multidimensionalnature.com. So thanks so much for having me on, Kendra. It's been so yeah. great. It's so wonderful to connect. Well, I will make sure that all of um, that everyone has all of that information in the show notes and that it'll be easy to find you. So Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm just honoring your bright spirit. It's lovely to be in this space and just share love and joy of the plants. Much gratitude for everyone listening, for spending this time with us. And if it felt of benefit, please do consider leaving a review or subscribing to the podcast ongoingly from whatever your preferred listening source is. That way you can be notified whenever a new episode is released. May we find new ways of relating and being in kinship as we continue to bring an open-armed adoration and devotion for this wild earth. And I look forward to being with you on the next episode.